1: hello welcome back to another episode of the icon podcast i am your host gianna and today we've got the opportunity of talking to courtney atkinson welcome to the show thanks for joining us
2: what's up gianna thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be here
1: of course and super excited to get to know you. so take us back to the beginning courtney who are you where are you from how did you grow up to be a real estate agent
2: oh my heavens okay gianna <clears throat> you I asked for here. Uh- <laughs> Right. Well, let's not go back too far, but I'm from a small town in eastern Canada, a little town called Chipman, New Brunswick, uh, about 1500 people. And, uh, you know, back in the day when you had one channel and you used to take your bike fishing when you were a kid and your parents didn't see you until dark. So that was kind of, you know, early life for Courtney Atkinson. And then um, my parents were divorced at an early age. And so my mom moved to a city called Fredericton, much bigger city, more opportunities there and uh, went to high school played football, went to Mount Allison University, and um, graduated from there, then did a master's degree in business, in marketing, and uh, finance, and that took me to Western Canada. By that time, I was, uh, you know, pretty broke like most students. I had a couple of years selling cars uh, in between schooling, but my first wife was a professor, and she was offered a job in this little town called Lethbridge. Well, it wasn't that little, but city of about 80,000 people called Lethbridge, Alberta. And being broke-ass students, you know, we went where the one job was. But fortunately, with my background and experience, I was able within about two weeks to land a job at the same university. And uh, I worked there for about six years. And I was doing this job in faculty recruitment, kind of onboarding and, and bringing in faculty members from all across North America, helping their families get settled and It was a really, really cool job, but I was working evenings and weekends on a fixed wage, of course. And during the period that I had done that particular work, I think it was over about two and a half years, I handed off something like 50 uh, families to various realtors. There was kind of like two realtors that I worked really closely with. And I didn't have a real good concept of the, the kind of money that realtors made, but I made some estimations based on what I could find online and started doing some math and realized that, you know, I had a source of business and uh I had a network of people that um you know that could inform an income if I was in a different line of work, and so I started thinking seriously about that and uh wanted to make a career change. But a lot of people you know that are thinking about real estate like I was had significant bills you know I had a five thousand dollar a month, not that I had to crack, and that was exactly how much money I made every month and uh I knew that if I get into real estate, I was gonna need to replace that income in about three months, maybe six so I took a loan for 5000 bucks. Well, I guess a line of credit. I had a visa with $5,000 on it, and I saved $5,000. And then in January of 2009, um, just as the market was tanking out in Canada and many parts of the U.S., uh, I decided to get into real estate, and the, kind of, the rest has been history. There's, there's lots of detail there that I'm, I'm sure we can unpack, but um, yeah, it's been 13 years since that time and, and a tremendous journey since then, for sure.
1: Okay, awesome. Well, you know, obviously, then with all that time there, um, EXP wasn't quite around. So why did you leave your brokerage? Who introduced you to EXP? Talk to me about that transition in your life.
2: Yeah, there's there's a bit of a backstory leading up to that, too. So I I knew almost immediately that I wanted to build a team. And before I get into real estate, I, I made it my business just due to my education and kind of need to have good information. I read literally 25 books cover to cover um, including the most important one being MREA, which most of us have read and decided that I was going to try to, you know, replicate that model in my life and in my business. <clears throat> and, uh, at that point, you know, this was 13 years ago, teams really weren't that big. I know Gary Keller was talking about it, but they really just weren't really taking off in Canada, certainly not in my market, not in the scale and size with which I wanted to build. And so I endeavored down that road fairly quickly in about four or five years, built a team of maybe five or six agents. <clears throat> and then, um, through I guess around the eight year mark, we decided that we were going to go independent. you know I think by that time we had about twelve agents and uh, and felt like being independent from century twenty one our first brokerage was going to be just better for our culture. We could have some more control. We wanted to begin offering uh, a guaranteed sale program which century twenty one didn 't and uh, so so we decided to go independent and open Atkinson Realty at that time. that would have been January two thousand and nineteen now interestingly. <clears throat> We were in Vegas for a conference, I think it was May of that year, and someone who i had known from real estate uh, conferences in years past reached out to me and pitched me EXP, like literally three months after I'd gone independent. And as you can imagine, like it was the wrong time and and the truth, it was the wrong person as well. It's not that I didn't respect this person, but, you know, we just didn't vibe on the same wavelength and uh, we didn't feel that that kind of association was going to serve us and so we carried down the road of being independent brokers for for two more years and by the end of the first year i was starting to see a pattern uh i was having tremendous success growing my team but i'd always had this vision of being able to grow the brokerage as well and uh the truth is that i actually just copied the the model for exp in terms of you know splits and structure and 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 all that and that was fine but we were losing people you know people would leave the team which you know, obviously happens, but they weren't staying at the brokerage, which we hoped would happen. Right. And um, so we started thinking about ways that we could do that, you know, things like offering stock in the company, things like offering compensation for recruitment, offering uh, compensation for retention. Mm -hmm. And the facts were that there just wasn't enough money in the budget to do those things so that we could continue to grow in the way that we wanted to. And so I started reflecting back on this conversation that I'd had. And of course, I'd been seeing a number of my successful friends during that same time frame transition over to eXp. And so I actually straight up reached out to a good friend of mine, Jeff Wilms, who I'd known for for many years from different conferences and, and networks and coaching programs that we've been in together and uh, just asked him like, Hey man, so, so like, just give me the real story. How's it been for you and Marcy? You know, they, they had a big team at the time as well and uh, had that conversation for about a year. And then I think it was, <clears throat> pardon me about, um, I was convinced by that time I I brought it to my team by, I think it was October, 20, no, 2019. Yeah. And then we flipped over right during COVID, like COVID had happened, whatever it was, March, right of 2020. And, um, we were like, yeah, we're, you know, we've decided to do this. Everybody wants to do this. We're going to continue to stay the course. And so the team switched on April 1st and I came over in May. I had to, you know, finish up all my brokering and kind of close down the brokers and things like that. So I had to stay for a month, but then, yeah, we came over, uh, in, um, in May of 2020. And the the primary reason, like I said, was because, you know, we learned that we needed to create a platform for agents to succeed on their own. You know, as a a team owner and a team leader, we're responsible for supporting team members and accomplishing big goals. And and that's one of the ways that we've been successful, like, like many big successful teams. But there was this element that was available in the marketplace that we had considered being able to deliver on our own that we were unable to. And we thought it was just a responsible thing to move over to a company that could give our agents residual income that could give our our agents stock that would have the same culture that we were establishing at Atkinson Realty, but tied into the compensations through residual income through uh, agent attraction, as you know. And so that was just a lot of alignment for us culturally, systematically And uh, it was really just a a super organic move for us to feel like we were doing the right thing in the right direction for the people that we were meant to serve just at a higher level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, Courtney. And um, I love that you, you know, not only took into consideration yourself, but you're like, hey, how do I give my team more value, right? As as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, um, and you're not going to find that with a lot of brokerages, right? Like uh, at the end of the day, you know, you may be loyal to your broker, but at at the end of the day, you're just a number to them, which sucks. So for you to um, take into consideration their benefit and the greater good for not only um, your team and yourself, but the people that you're working with and mentoring and um, growing with, I think that's really cool and says a lot about you as um, a leader, Courtney. So uh, that's awesome. And now that you're over here at eXp, right? There's there's so many cool things about it. There's collaboration, you touched on stock options. We've got rev share. 20 hours of online training every week. I mean, there is so much that EXP has to offer. So what is something that you love about the brokerage that maybe you didn't expect at first, or um, now that you use on a daily basis that maybe you didn't think was going to be so useful to you?
2: Love that question. I think there's, there's two things that really stand out for me. The the first thing really just comes down to, to the support that you get. Listen, mm-hmm. yes, I get that that's not you know, unify their, you hear stories periodically of somebody that comes over to EXP, maybe with a sponsor who was more interested in recruitment than they were in service. Yeah. And sure, that's going to happen at any brokerage, uh, no question about that. But generally speaking, when you have a model like this that has compensation so so tightly connected to performance and outcomes, you know, not only am I inspired personally, just because it's the way that I'm wired to want mm-hmm. a super person that I bring over and have infrastructure for them to succeed and have tools and all the things that folks in my network might need to win. But I'm also compensated for doing that. And I would do it anyways, if I was independently wealthy, that's just the kind of stuff that I would like to do. But here it is, my company is now paying me for just behaving the way that I have been behaving and for doing something that we've already been doing within our team. And so, so to me, that piece um, really, really fleshed out perfectly. And I I anticipated it. But I guess the, the difference in the way that I'm answering your question here is that I I couldn't have imagined the scale with which that exists in the company, you know, to the point where I've had, you know, dozens of conversations with our CEO. I've had dozens of conversations with our leadership team. I've had dozens of conversations with senior members in the organization that want nothing more than to support me, that are able to answer questions, that are able to Mm -hmm you know, f- help me bring other people into the company that are able to help me provide things for folks that maybe didn't exist before. Like creation of brand new tools, infrastructures, policies, literally right out of thin air because it's just such a flat organization that that everyone in it just wants the company to be better. We're all compensated for that. We're all stock owners in the company. And so that 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 kind of whole concept was just dramatically bigger than I could have ever conceived. the The second thing that really... I would say it inspires me continually is the opportunities in which we're given to support other people through coaching and training. And you mentioned, you know, the 20 hours of online live training per week. I'm a certified mentor with the XP. I'm invited to, to present, you know, probably monthly, sometimes every couple of weeks. And I'm consistently inspired by not only the quality of speakers that I get to share stages with, the quality of content of the people that show up there with me. But the leadership that facilitates that happening at a really high level and consistently the quality of the people that are showing up in those sessions, asking brilliant questions, circling back on social media, seeking more detail and wanting to improve their businesses in the culture of the organization, which is one of giving. And so that to me just really makes a strong foundation for for the most unbeatable company in the business.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, with the training and all the like CRM and these wonderful things and um, all these resources and great people, mentorship programs, EXP um, offers all of that. And then plus the stock opportunities, right? What better way to practice employee retention than to give them a piece of the pie? So uh, beyond that, Courtney, before, like, and obviously we're going to circle back to your cultural commitment, that mentorship or teaching aspect. Um, But before we do that, tell me about, you know, what does this work life balance look like for you? You're a top producing agent. So this, this industry can swallow you whole if you let it. So where do you draw the lines? How do you set boundaries between work and play and take care of yourself while also, you know being devoted to your team and clients?
2: Yeah, great question. So, so I may be a little bit different than, than a lot of icons. So there's, there's 42 licensed agents on my team and there's another five in our boot camp. So we'll be at, you know, 50 licensed agents here probably by the end of September. And, uh, you know, we'll do maybe 800, 900 transactions or so this year. So so my day is a lot different than than what it looks like for an in production agent. So I'm going to kind of tell two stories here. First, the story of my day now and then the story of my days when I was in production. The truth is now, you know, I recruit, I coach and I lead. Those are my primary jobs as CEO of this company. Uh, I have a, a chief operating officer that manages the operations and the execution of a lot of the, the programs and systems that we're trying to oversee. And I manage sales and to, to some degree, the high level marketing stuff. So that really takes me about 10 hours a week. That's you know not a huge chunk of time for me, 15 if it's super busy and there's lots going on. Um, the other primary focus that I have is my coaching business. So I, I coach other brokers and team leaders from EXP and from other brokerages on how to do what we've done, which is scale a team using a boot camp. In a lot of markets, in our markets, no exception, You know, we were already a fairly big player when we were doing 150, 200 transactions a year and no licensed agents in our market wanted to come over to the Atkinson team because we were already eating market share and taking people's lunches and, and they didn't want to be a part of that. They wanted us to get hit by a bus and disappear. And so we didn't have a lot of success in this market because it's not a huge market. I mean, it's a city of 100,000. We, we have another office in another city about uh, 100 miles away so we serviced this like gigantic regional area with only like 600 realtors in it and everybody knew knew us and nobody wanted to participate in helping us be any more successful. So I had to create a program where I could bring people from outside the industry into the industry, get them licensed, get them compensation to bridge the gap until they could start earning and then give them assurances that they would be able to earn income by selling real estate. And so we built a boot camp program and That's a large part of why we're as big and successful as we are. And that's a big piece of what it is that I coach other team leaders to do, not just the cultural elements required to build a strong team, but the systems, the support, the leadership, all of the foundational pieces that people need to succeed. So that's kind of, you know, another maybe 20 or 30 hours of my week spent doing that now. So kind of like a 30, 40 hour a week person. I take about, you know, three months off a year where I don't need my phone and, and really, really fortunate to have been able to build this business to a point where I can live that kind of lifestyle. And um,
1: absolutely that's the goal of every business, right? To be able to step back from it and it run itself.
2: Yeah, I'm still the CEO. So maybe there's a time in the future where where that that position is hired out. But no, I'm still doing that. The, the truth is, is that, you know, getting here, you know, those first say, you know, nine, maybe 10 years getting out of production, building a semi automated business like this were really, really tough. And I was always a top producer pretty well for my first year, I think I sold, you know, 30 houses was pretty good for you know a first year in business and my best year maybe i sold 60 or 70 but i was also building a team around that same time and so in in order to, to do that i think there's a couple of things foundationally that that a person requires and and i speak to this whenever i'm doing recruitment for my team and whenever i'm talking to other folks about getting into the industry And i think it's fairly simple first of all you have to have a big heart like you you just need to care about people Now, there's varying degrees with which that shows up or with which we do that for people. But fundamentally, you you can't be outstanding in this business if you don't care for people. Uh, Secondly, I think you have to be really gritty. I think there's just no, there's no way to get around the fact that there's going to be lots of days, sometimes weeks, where you'll continue to do the work and there won't be anything to show for it whatsoever. And grit is the thing that helps you power through that, recognizing that the universe has a way of delivering results to those that, that continue to show up. And beyond that, I think it also really, really helps if you have a good adherence, good discipline to a time schedule. And that's foundationally kind of like the the two remaining pieces. The schedule is one part. And I think the discipline to stick to it is, is the second part. Without those four things, you know, you can have moderate success in real estate, but that grittiness might hold you back from doing double the business in the next few years or your inability to schedule and scale might stop you from being able to add a few more deals a month or a few more deals a week even, or, you know, if you don't have that big heart, you're probably just going to get tired of all the drama because there is a lot of emotional drama with people. And we are dealing with people during an emotional time in their lives. And if you're not interested in being of service during that time, then it's just going to, it's just going to wear you out. And so for me, I think those, those were foundational pieces in my success and my ability to stay connected to the work through times of, you know, Mm -hmm. tremendous, You know, economic outcomes and times where I was nearly broke, you know, like I still kept going. I just had this vision of what it is that I was trying to create and I had the ability to stay with it. And I think if more people could just be reminded that it's not the scripts and the dialogues and the system and your social media strategy and all these things, it's literally just like foundational. Like, did you go to the office today? Did you stay there for eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours, whatever? Did you make 50 prospecting phone calls today last week in the last 300 days? Like if you didn't, like, like you're probably not going to crush it in the way that you could had you just shown up with those four things consistently day
1: after day, year after year. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's a huge part of uh, getting to the production of an icon agent. And we will talk about those tips and tricks here in a little bit, but Courtney, we talked about how, you know, you're able to step away from your business for a few months because obviously you've leveraged things out. You've made some hires, you've spent money to make money. So what were some of those things that you, you know, first hired out or some of the first tasks that you took off your plate to be able to scale up your business? You know, did you hire virtual assistants? Did you hire, um, in-person assistants? Did you hire an operations manager? What were those most important hires to you and most important tasks to get off your plate so you can focus on growing up?
2: Yeah, I love that question. And super important that I think that people pay attention here because, uh, you know, Sphere Rockets, a sponsor of this podcast. They're a great company. And the truth is, is when I was getting into this business, nobody knew what VAs were, Mm -hmm. um, but I did. And, um, you know, I, I think, I don't know if it was... Gary Keller that was writing about that, or maybe it was the four hour work week or there was something I I just picked up this concept that I could hire somebody from a different country that would be really pleased with what I could afford to pay them at this time.
1: Yes. Life-changing and, actually. Yeah, it,
2: it, it really is, you know, and it, and it wasn't that I was like looking to manipulate a system or that I was looking at, you know, paying terrible wages. It, my options were hire nobody locally and keep things the same or hire somebody across the world who would be really thrilled with what i could afford to pay them and so initially what i did was uh i actually realized that i was a slave to my phone and just so much of the work that i was managing on my phone um needed to be dealt with by somebody else who could you know attach some systems to it and back in those days the truth is is that i didn't have a tremendous understanding of systems i had tremendous overwhelm and a tremendous desire to no longer feel that way And so really, I was just trying to find a way to make that thing ding less, make it ring less, and to give myself a degree of separation from it. Mm -hmm. And so I signed up for a Ring Central account, which back in those days was probably 20 or 25 bucks. I don't even think it's that different now. And uh, and I got uh, a VA. Uh, Her name was Marie in the Philippines. I hired her for 20 hours a week to manage the phones at a time when I just really wanted to not have it so i would literally forward my you know my my cell phone to the ring central phone number and it would pass through and and she would pick up and manage the phone send me text messages and it and it went so well i think it was like a week or two later i hired her full-time gave her a bunch more tasks had her preparing stuff for my listings for me she's managing the phones then i had her scheduling appointments booking showings tracking feedback and i hired somebody else after her so i had two vas there for for a long time now the one challenge that I have always found, uh, and we still have a number of VAs on our team, like right now, I think there's, we have three VAs, well, three ISAs that are in the Philippines, plus uh, two, two, possibly three more folks that work for us in other mm-hmm. parts of the company. And so for us back in those days, one of the things that I found was that I needed someone that, that could have kind of local knowledge And that was a little bit more connected to the community that had just kind of like been here and had this like natural sense of where we were. But the truth is, is that it was going to be much longer before I could have earned the income to be able to afford that person. But with my VA team, I shortened up that time horizon to like three, four months. Like I was driving so much additional revenue with the additional time that my two VAs had bought me that it was almost instant that I could afford to bring somebody else in from my community. So now I had an in-house full-time admin person, plus the two VAs that I remained on staff with me now doing some different work. And so that was kind of like the initial trajectory to getting to, say, 100 transactions. It was one admin person, uh, two VAs, not a lot of overhead from a marketing standpoint, realistically. I mean, we weren't on the radio in those days. Uh, It was a lot of just really basic marketing. I mean, total overhead was probably under $100,000 a year, including marketing, including staff uh, and all expenses. And so when you think about doing a hundred transactions and the kind of revenue that you can generate with that a hundred thousand dollar bottom line doesn't look too bad. Right. Um, beyond that. Yeah. There's a lot of complexity to, to build a team that can support 45 licensed agents, no question across three different markets. Um, but that's, you know, almost an entirely different conversation. The early stages, that's easy to do. And Sphere Rocket, I'm sure as consultants, it would be happy to partner with anybody that's listening yeah, to this podcast totally. and make a plan, <laughs> much like the one that I had. But I had to figure mine out my own. So now it even happened faster, right?
1: Like like you said, uh, you know, back then there weren't a lot of systems and processes. But now um, Sphere Rocket has, you know, that down to uh, every, every detail you might need, which is really cool. Um, I have four VAs, and even though I'm a real estate agent, I, I don't actively practice it because this podcast is my full-time gig and YouTube is my, my full-time gig and these little VAs make my world go round, dude. <laughs> like They're incredible. Um, and there's no way I would be able to get out 25 to 30 podcasts a week without, without them. No way, maybe six. Um, and that would be taking up a ton of my time uh, to do video editing and invite people and reach out and schedule. So it's pretty amazing um, the efficiency that just leveraging some tasks out can bring to you. Mm -hmm. And um, Courtney, let's talk about production in your area. Let's get into all things, icon, being an icon agent. So average housing price, how many houses do you have to sell to be able to cap and hit that icon? Obviously before the 20 transactions.
2: Yeah. So if you were going to do just your 80, 20 split to a hundred percent in our market, you know, $80,000 in commission, You know, it's going to be like 12-ish transactions, maybe 13, depending on your price point. So you'll be on 100%, you know, depending on your production, you know, by your first, well, yeah, it depends. But yeah, about 13 transactions, yeah.
1: Awesome, and then uh, yeah, what's that average housing price out there? And you're in Alberta,
2: right? Yeah, I'm Southern Alberta, so we're one of the cheaper areas of our province. Like Calgary's about two hundred thousand dollars more. Edmonton's a little bit cheaper. We're close to like three twenty-five, three fifty now with the appreciation that okay. we've seen. So about three fifty, and the average commission. In our marketplace, hovers around two percent. Four is kind of average. We charge five on our listings, but we can only typically get that when we're carrying the listing. We typically take two when we're working with buyers. So, you know, the average is a little bit lower than a lot of places that way.
1: Okay, awesome. And then uh, my next question is going to be, as we had just barely touched on earlier, is um, your cultural commitment? right? So you can be a teacher, you can be a mentor, you can vet other icons. So what route do you take for that? And why do you choose that?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm a coach. I mean, I, I spend dozens of hours a week supporting people in some sort of leadership capacity. And And you and I joked earlier, in many ways, probably like you, I feel like I'm a professional speaker. It's what I do <laughs> most. And and we joke with my kids, you know, they they kind of kids have a hard time understanding what dad does. And to simplify, we just tell them he gets paid for talking. So um, so I, I do what's what's easy for me and what I'm gifted at and what people find helpful. So so I spend way more time than I need to, frankly, supporting new agents in mm-hmm. the XP world, um, partly because I just have it in me to give. I have the time. I'm inspired to do so. And uh, I feel like. I have a debt of gratitude to repay to the industry and also the EXP for all the opportunities that this great company's afforded me, too. So so that's what I tend to do. And and naturally, I mean, the conferences are a lot of fun. So who's going to miss out on a chance to to go do some learning and, and connect with colleagues? So I, I love that piece as well.
1: Absolutely. The collaboration is fun being able to pour back into your team and um, yeah. peers is a lot of it's, it's really fun. And sometimes, you know, you learn more from them than they actually learn from you. So it's it's all around beneficial. And Courtney, my next question is going to be, what is your favorite part of being an icon? I think if my eyes don't betray me, I might see that trophy behind you. On your right
2: shoulder no do you know what i, I don't have any trophies up I haven't really i don't think i do. Maybe my wife. i thought oh, you know
1: no what? okay you're right it looks it looks like the shape of it
2: Wait, yeah even, I, mean, I didn't even know this was here you're so you're so good check that out
1: <laughs> Look at me go
2: yeah well done my wife've yeah, seen, I've seen a, a lot of studio those. for me i honestly didn't even know it was there um <laughs> obviously not a big trophy guy um, no not so what's well, my favorite?
1: That's just one of the benefits that you get with being an icon agent, right? Is that trophy. So that's obviously not your favorite part about it. <laughs> but you know, um, you get that cap back in stock, the opportunity to go to ExpCon and shareholders, and um, give back to Exp culturally. So what's your favorite part about iconing? Why do you set that as a standard for yourself?
2: I'm going to buck the trend here a little bit, and I, and I know that this is the intent of your podcast, but it to me, it's more about helping people achieve their their greatest potential. And so if you were to meet, you know, the the 45 people on our team right now, you know, not every one of those people is going to make $80,000 this year. And right. of course, the, the structure is different for team members, as you know. And so their focus and my focus is on achieving whatever goal that they have, you know, I, I'm going to icon and you know weeks maybe months first month for sure i'm not even sure super fast and and of course i i don't pay super close attention to it because i was doing all that before and i continue to do it here and there's many more rewards for being a high producer at exp than there is at any other brokerage but for me personally it's it's more about just helping people achieve their potential and you know for for the way that we structure our goal setting in our company it's typically not around an external goal, it's typically not around a reward that a company would offer no matter what brokerage worth. It's more about, let's have a very clear picture of what success looks like for you and your family. Let's create a very clear roadmap for you to get there. Let's be reminded of the goal. Let's be reminded of the journey and let's keep track of it on a weekly basis so that we know what your leading measures are going to be required to help you get there. So that with a high degree of predictability every week, every two weeks, every three weeks, every month, we're gonna know how we're trending towards that goal. And for sure, you know, if people on our team that are going to sell like 80 plus homes individually on an annualized basis, we have people that'll maybe sell a dozen. And so by some standards, those 80 people, you know, they're, they're icons and, and the folks that are going to sell a dozen, you know, maybe they're not going to hit icon status. But the truth from our perspective is that the person who's aiming to do those 80 transactions per year and the person that's aiming to do 12 transactions per year is looking at achieving a life that means something to them. And that's what means something to me. And that's why I continue to show up at work each and every day, creating systems and finding ways to support people in ways that are meaningful to them. And so for some folks, I get that the Icon Trophy and that award and, and, and the kind of prestige that goes along with that is their driving force. And I respect and admire that. And if that was the thing that we're driving my team members, I would respect and honor that and work towards making that happen for them. For me personally, for the folks around here, it uh, tends to be more personal and uh, and we try to stay connected to it kind of more mathematically on a regular basis. Does that make sense to an answer yeah. to that question? Yeah.
1: That's no, that's a perfectly fine question. Um, you know, giving back to the the culture and seeing it really benefit people is it's an awesome thing that comes with being an icon agent. And um, Courtney, you know, if somebody were to come up to you and they're like, Hey, like as your as a coach, right. Think let's pick that side of your brain. Um, Courtney, I, I came over to eXp because I saw this icon award, you know, maybe I'm a rookie real estate agent. Maybe I've been with another brokerage in the past but I came to eXp because I want icon in my first year here. Mm -hmm. What are some goals I need to set out for that or major mistakes to avoid if it's even possible?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it really does depend on the person and their skills, but I think barring all of that, the thing that I encourage people to do is just to treat this like a job. You know, one of the things that I did very early on that I encourage my team members and every agent that I support to do Mm -hmm. is to imagine how you would, conduct yourself if you had a very very controlled work environment you know if you worked at a factory you're not going to go buy groceries at noon because you don't have a long enough lunch time you certainly wouldn't do it at two o'clock in the afternoon or nine o'clock in the morning you're also not going to go to the gym at nine and work out until 10 30 okay and you're also not going to work out at 3 30 at the ideal yoga class at your favorite studio because you just couldn't like your job just does not facilitate that. And I think the thing that people uh, love about real estate is the flexibility. There's no question you can have ultimate flexibility in our business. But I think what happens too often is people think that they can adopt that flexibility really early on and still have tremendous success in the business. And my advice to a new person starting out who wants to icon in their first year, whether it's the first year in the industry, first year with the is just create a massive amount of discipline in your time block. Treat it like a job. Don't do those things during your day that you wouldn't normally do at another job sure. and find work to do. Like you're not going to prospect for eight hours a day. Nobody has the energy for that. It's just unrealistic. But prospect for an hour or two hours, follow up for an hour, build your social media profile out, send a bunch of emails, send texts to your sphere of influence, go door knock, make some cold calls. Do that consistently. And for sure, over time, you're going to be consistently successful. But I think too often, too early, folks want to really enjoy the freedom that this business can afford them. And then they're challenged by a lack of income because they haven't really put in the work yet. And they've got the flexibility, but they don't have the income to really enjoy that. And so I recommend just starting out with massive structure, filling your days with highly productive uh, activities. And then as you earn the income that you feel you can live with, maybe it's $100,000 a year, you know, and you've got your icon status maybe it's two maybe it's whatever the number is then find ways to build flexibility into your schedule once you know and can predict the outcomes without risking your your business once you have that
1: internet. pipeline right that consistency but it takes a while to you're not reinventing the wheel but you've got to create your version of one to keep that's it right. rolling right mm-hmm. I, I like that i like that take on it courtney i think that's um that's important to understand, especially as a rookie real estate agent coming in. Um, you know, it's of course you're like, Hey commissions, right? How exciting. Why do you come into real estate anyway? But, um, you know, a lot of the eager beavers anyway. And like you said, you, you, you can't be somebody that doesn't care about people. You can't be somebody that, um, you know, if you don't feel like it, you don't show up, it's just, you, you have to put in the work in this industry, or you're not going to see that success, or you're going to have some shortfalls. And, um, that sucks. It's going to suck when that that happens. And we don't want to be learning lessons the hard way when there's so many resources and so many mentors and coaches out there to help you otherwise. And um, Courtney, when EXP was first introduced to you, were you skeptical of it?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of a natural response to something that's entirely different than what you're accustomed to seeing. Mm -hmm. Now many more people have heard about exp since the time that I've joined no question but you know that would have been pitched to me in may let's say of 2000 uh actually it was 2017 i got my dates wrong i was i ran Atkinson realty from 2017 to 2019 uh no i'm getting that wrong yeah somewhere in that range actually cuz we switched in 2020 uh yeah early so yeah that's about right so it would have been like you know twenty seventeen may that I first heard about it, and there was nothing like that, you know, and all these ideas of like you know residual income and agent attraction and stock just just really did seem foreign now, the person that I was speaking to was having success with it. it was undeniable. I think there was like four thousand agents or five thousand agents at that time at that time. I don't even think it was open in my province yet um but so yeah, there was a certain degree of skepticism there, absolutely and um and over time, you know, like most people you kind of soften when you see the success that others are having. Right. I mean, I know a number of people that have retired on their, on their passive income. I know a number of people that have, you know, done things like, you know, bought cottages and paid off their houses and, you know, paid off all their debts with their stock performance and so forth. And so when you hear enough of those stories and you see enough of those things over the years, it's a pretty undeniable value proposition. And I think, you know, for me, I'm I'm not a real fast adopter of like things that are big changes in my life like i really wanted some time to consider it and plus i had to consider changing you know the the life trajectory of you know at that time 12 or 15 other people so so yeah i was skeptical and yeah it did take some time for me to see it and believe it but you know we've all heard this i mean anybody that's at exp will tell you this and and it's almost kind of you know become overdone now but the truth is is when you see it you can't unsee it and so as i first learned about it and began unpacking it and investigated it and spoke to the senior leadership team, including the CEO and all multiple layers of VPs and leaders across Canada and the U S literally just trying to find the one reason why I shouldn't do this. Be like, this is the reason if I can just talk to one person and they can't answer a question or there'll be this thing that's so clearly glaringly missing from the model. Then finally I can just close this book and not think about this anymore, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was on my mind every day. And I kept on pursuing it with hopes that there would be something. And eventually I just ran out of people to ask questions to and ran out of suspicion. And at that point, you've really got to make a decision. It's like, okay, am I gonna make this move and bring these people with me or am I gonna shut the chapter on what looks like the best possible thing for my life? And I'm really grateful that I took that first option because the, the truth is, is that, you know, there's really kind of like three transformational things that have happened in my life. You know, the first one's finding the right person to marry. My Mel, my my wife, Mel, and I work together. She's our COO. And uh, in my opinion, we just make a dream team at home and at work. And so I just feel so blessed to have that opportunity. Secondly, I talked her into having kids with me, which I think was like one of the greatest sales pitches that I've ever made and succeeded. <laughs> we have two great boys that are seven and five. And I'm not bullshitting when I say, I think the third thing is literally finding eXp and switching over because even today in the way that it motivates me, inspires me, pays me and sets me up, not just for a dignified retirement, but for a retirement that would not have in any way been possible to me before switching over to this brokerage. I just can't imagine not being here.
1: That's awesome. And Courtney, you know, uh, for somebody that is looking to make the move to eXp and they hear things like it's a pyramid scheme. It's a cult. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. And they're watching right now. What would you have to say to them to kind of get them to make that move and, um, you know, see that the grass is greener and it's not too good to be true. It's here for the taking if you're willing to make the risk.
2: Yeah, I think, I think EXP poses a a tremendous risk to traditional real estate models. Mm -hmm. And, and also change is really, really difficult. And I, I would just want people to know that I was that person. I was suspicious. I heard those things. I really, truly didn't want to change. I had just built my my independent brokerage, which you have to imagine in a, in a small part of the world with only 600 agents really means something. We were a big brand and everybody knew us and had my name attached to it and we were very successful. And so the personal risk that I faced was shutting down a brokerage looking like I had failed. You know, that perception that I couldn't run Atkinson Realty was was on my mind for some time. And so the people that you speak to that say these things, oh, it's a pyramid scheme or oh, whatever, it's just recruitment and they don't produce real estate and so forth, we have to remember, everybody has to remember that people need something to push against to comfortably say no to something. Mm-hmm. But once mm-hmm. you manage these initial objections and can show someone, A, it's not like that, B, it's not like that, C, D, E, it's like this, this, and this then you can convert somebody like me. And and I think when when I hear those things from other folks, it doesn't offend me. I just understand where they're at because I've been there too. And so what I would encourage anyone to do, if they're in any way like just curious uh, or even not curious, but how about this? If you don't have a way to set yourself up for retirement and if you're chasing transactions and you're finding like you're not able to invest enough money, you're not buying a rental property every six months like you aimed for once a year, like you aimed for, And you're feeling like you're on the transaction treadmill and you're getting burned out and you're getting frustrated and you're bringing this energy home. The truth is, is that you can continue to do this for the rest of your career. It will burn you out. It will change you. It will damage relationships. You will be a different person and you likely won't be proud of the person that you've become. EXP offers in my opinion, the most viable and best opportunity for agents to simultaneously be able to scale down their production as they age and as they lose interest and energy, like happens to every single human being. I'm 47, I have significantly less energy and motivation than I had when I was 34 (coughs) when I started. Mm -hmm. And it affords us to simply have conversations with our friends, showing them the things that we love about this great company and inviting them to join and generating passive income that can replace the income lost, by the transactions that we no longer wish to do or can't do. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, we're able to replace that income with stock that over time we can cash in and afford ourselves a transition out of this business that we mm-hmm. might not have had before, working at such a rapid price, trying to maintain these levels of production so that we could keep our income consistent rather than asking ourselves, hey, like how can I trail off this income and this time trading dollar for hour work that I'm doing for passive income that will continue to roll in for me until the day that I die and so I want people to see that image and I want them to ask themselves that question do you have a plan are you being honest with yourself do you have a plan is that going to work will it match your energy as it dissipates and if not I don't care what you have to say about eXp have a conversation with somebody that can help you solve that problem because it is a real problem and just like every person on earth we're aging and we need solutions for dignified retirements and eXp offers the best solution for that
1: I love that, and I think you've made so many um, great points, Courtney. And um, really, I think this has been an awesome episode. Are you going to try to make it to Eek's Pecon in Vegas?
2: Not going to try to make it to. I'm it my business to make it there. Uh, okay, I'll be good. like, yeah, I'm I'm there for sure. We've had our tickets for ages. We've been booked for good. ages. Yeah, we we go for sure, and it's a blast. I mean, there's first of all, it's such a great networking chance to see, you know awesome, awesome people from all across the industry to learn about any conceivable thing that you're interested in from people that are tops in the industry, folks that are tops in our company, friends that you haven't seen for a long time. Plus, let's be honest, Vegas is a real blast. So Yeah, we, yeah we go, absolutely. We don't yeah,
1: we'll yeah. make it your business to um, come see me at the Sphere Rocket booth if you have a chance, Courtney. I would love yeah, you to. Um, it's funny,
2: meet I, up a- we, I saw your booth at Shareholder Summit, but I didn't know you then. So now, now that I do, I'll have to come by and say hi.
1: Yeah, I was like the only girl. I, I'm usually the only girl at these events with Spear Rocket, so I think we just hired a new girl. So it's it's going to be pretty exciting to have her. But I'm I'm pretty hard to miss the Amazonian girl that's like six foot tall, and I'm usually wearing space buns because obviously Spear Rocket, right? Well, yeah. Crossfit. Well, you were telling
2: me before that you're that you're into you're into CrossFit, so I didn't know you were six foot. So you got to be like kicking the heck out of like all the dudes there too with your massive strength. That's amazing. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I love
1: <clears throat> I love like deadlift days because they'll be like you can't do that weight, and I'm like you can't do that weight.
2: you'll you'll appreciate this so uh, I have a friend here in town like so Mm I used to be super super strong when I was growing up playing football and uh you know not by your standards but I used to be able to pull a little over five five plates for reps yeah I literally just watched this gal pull uh four plates for reps and she's like 140 pounds
1: yeah See, I'm like 215, but I'll tell you, it's, it's like all muscle. Because if you were to see me in real life, you're like, that girl is not 215. And I I don't want to say that I'm 215. Obviously, as a girl, I hate that scale. Um uh, but whatever. you know, you have to you have to think about things like uh your muscle mass and and CrossFit's nope, just yeah. it's fun. It keeps you entertained and it's a great sphere of influence. I will sure, say yeah. I don't utilize mine uh cuz one of the coaches is is a real estate agent. Oh yeah. So I don't want to steal her lunch because I'll be doing extra reps. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, it's it's been fun and it's a good uh good way to recharge and
2: Work-life yeah, balance sure.
1: and all that stuff. So it cool. definitely definitely gets the stress out.
2: We all need that. Yeah, <laughs> it's been so good chatting with you, and I will pop by and see you uh, this fall. I think it's is it November or December this year. I know it was a little it's bit October. different.
1: Is October. Is it October? 11th I know it was
2: dramatically different. It was like a, a different month mm-hmm. than it was last year, right? So October. Yeah. Yeah. October
1: 11th through the 14th, plan on seeing me there. I will. Um, and then when I'm not at the booth, we'll we'll get into some trouble, have some fun, that lose some money, cool. hopefully win some money.
2: I was <laughs> thinking about a workout maybe, we grab a workout, that'd be cool. Hey,
1: you know what? I'm into that. I, I do need to, it's so hard to work out when you're traveling. And my coach writes us workout wads, so yeah. for traveling, for on the road. There so we go. maybe deal. we'll have to hit it. <laughs> Courtney, it's so I'm nice good. talking to you. Nice we chatting with you too, thanks for we'll having me. It, of course. Yeah. Bye